So I'm here with the two Ps, and we're here to talk about 2023 in film, and it's about to get extremely sexual in this room. Gerald, put your pants back on. <laughs> Murder lemonade <laughs> in the house. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Tonight, it is Three Peas. You heard him in the cold open. You're probably going, wait a second, who is that? Mr. Justin Winters, the movie geek out in Cali. You're back, brother. And I, we were joking on, we were texting each other last week. I think this is the first time you've recorded since the last time we recorded on Two Peas, right? Yes, uh, Gerald. Thank you for putting out the bat signal that I only, you know, yeah, <laughs> I see every couple years. Uh, I know it's been a long time since I talked movies with you because you're like, no, you can only talk about game shows or board <laughs> games. Or I think the last time I talked about movies with you, it was me and uh, Epic Film Guys Justin, and we started having the same top five. So I just like hurriedly changed my list on right, the fly. Right, right. That was like '80s teen movies or something like that. I remember that. Yeah exactly so i woke up i woke up when i saw the signal like movies movies i was like yes let's do this <laughs> well dude we're so happy to have you nick i guess i should say hello to you too what, what's up man how are you <laughs> how about them cowboys oh my god <laughs> it's Bro. always it's always a wonderful day when the cowboys are eliminated from the playoffs and uh I won't have to hear smug Cowboys fans for the next six to eight months. Actually, that's not true. I'll start hearing from them tomorrow anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh, winners welcome. Uh, it's, I mean, it's amazing to see a beautiful face again. I haven't seen you in, uh, in, in, in ages. I haven't talked to you in ages. I haven't talked to you about movies in ages. I'm sure your list is going to be almost as bad as Gerald's is. So well, I'm excited to get uh, into this. Hang tight now. What I was going to say is I, I have somewhat, I don't know, of course, because I don't know what Justin's list is or, or yours for that matter. But I think I have a bit of an ally with me and winners over there because we have pretty similar sensibilities when he's come on the P's in the past. And Nick, I don't know what the hell you're doing, man. I, I can't get you to. I, I, I literally uh, texted Nick. I was like, have you even seen five movies in 2023, Nick? I was like, of course, Joe's reaching out to me. Oh, like He's man. got an ally and someone that actually watches movies or, you know, enough to make a list. I just crammed in yeah. four movies uh, from 2023 over the last you three days, mm. uh, including Killers of the Flower Moon. Thanks, yeah. Stacey. Yeah, so get that, that was basically five movies. Basically, I watched five movies. Yeah, you were binging over there. I was proud of you. I saw you kept checking them in this week, and uh, that, that's great. So that gives you a little something to talk about. You <laughs> round out your top five, at least, this week. So we're doing our top five movies of 2023. Suspense is not there anymore. We're finally at our year-end episode, and the three of us are going to give you our individual five favorite films that were released last Only five. year. Only five. Only five in classic P's fashion. We will give you some honorable mentions at the end and we'll round out our six through ten. All right. So uh, this is like a classic P's episode, kind of. <laughs> I mean, you know. Why don't we talk about the year real quick? Just, uh, you don't have to spend a super elaborate time on it. Winners, you've been a bit out of the podcasting game basically the whole year, but I know you've been watching a lot of movies. You're out there in LA. 
Uh, what did you think, man? Was it a good year for film? Well, hold on a second, Gerald. I have to take a sip from my murder lemonade from Panera <laughs> that I brought, especially to this recording. Please do. Got to get Woo! juice for this answer. Best movie year, at least in the last four, four to five years. Oh, wow. Okay. I went back and looked because I, like you, are on Letterboxd and went back to like the past years. And I think you have to go back to like 2019, which was like uh, once once upon a time in Hollywood that year, Parasite. Mm-hmm. I I feel like this year was just a em- embarrassment of riches. There were a lot of you know returners to the game, like old school you know directors coming back to show you know the young whippersnappers how things are done. There was just mm-hmm. a lot of interesting films, and in terms of like the overall breadth of things, I was looking at my letterbox. I don't think I've ever had a year that had that much uh, four stars and above, you know, oh, wow. I'm not as uh, critical as, as, as Nick is. And I don't watch as <laughs> whoa, many whoa. movies as, Ger- as Gerald does. But as a whole, I, I look at the movies, like my top 10, which were extremely hard to even come from, you know, come to a top 10, let alone mm-hmm. a top five. Like I beg Gerald, can we please do 10? He's like, no, in classic peas fashion, we're going to be. We are doing like, a ten, though. Like, whatever, fairness, whatever you know? Gerald. Just one of the best film years uh, in recent memory. So um, I, w- I was overjoyed at a lot of a lot of the movies that, and, and still, I had not seen a lot of them recently, and tried to catch up in the last week, just like Nick. And I was like, up, oh, you know, a lot of the ones that I had heard were good were indeed good. So it was a great year. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Nick, what do you think, man, overall? I mean, I know you've been playing catch-up a little bit. We started the show, um, you joining it, I think, what was it, July, right? It was like June or July, I think. That yeah, you... I mean, The Flash came out, and it was so good, we had to put our we had to put our <laughs> yeah. thoughts on the yeah, audio watch podcast. Anything else? Yeah. yeah, I mean, the bar was set so high just from The Flash, like the whole rest of the year was just a downslide, and we're finally yeah. inching across the finish line here. Uh, with everything else that came out afterward no i mean so i mean once i you know left epic film guys and stopped doing that i really didn't spend as much time in the theater as i wanted to like with moving and with you know covid and all that other kind of stuff so like really this show got me back going to the movies got me back watching a lot of movies and things like that again Uh, i'm gonna agree with winners though like this has been the best year for movies in quite a few years to be 100p it's been really really nice to see a, a lot of movies that i really had a lot of doubts for that that necessarily uh, uh kind of exceeded exceeded my expectations and things like that some things uh definitely didn't some things definitely let me down as well this year as we've uh, as we found out across uh, a lot of our reviews that we've done at the end of the year here but Man, I mean, I, I get in that movie theater. I'm laughing. I'm crying. I'm having a great time. I, I've, I've been really, really enjoying, uh, enjoying, just loving film, you know. And, and I think that the, the this year in film, if you're somebody who'd been like a little bit down on the whole thing after COVID, after everything else, I really think that this year really lit a good spark i mean now we're gonna have like the waves from the strikes and everything that mm-hmm, sure hopefully doesn't cause a little bit of a sag going into the next couple of years like as like that strike affected content gets stretched out but who knows yeah i agree i agree with both of you I, what i think is interesting too is i think this is a pretty sweet double header year with 2022 like i feel like 2022 is a bit of a comeback year from covid 
there was a lot of movies that I that are probably some of my favorite of all time that came out that year. I mean, I love Prey that came out, uh, Babylon, Top Gun Maverick came out in 2022. You know, a lot of stuff that year was kind of like a comeback. And then this year it was like, here we are. We are officially back. And Winters mentioned it with, you know, Scorsese and, you know, Nolan was back this year. Fincher was back, you know, Greta Gerwig and the whole Barbenheimer phenomenon this summer. I mean, was is just unrivaled for me as a movie fan. Like, I can't really even think of a cinematic event like that in my lifetime. Like, I really can't. Like, I don't know what would be the equivalent of that in my 48 years of life. I've just never seen it as a film fan. So I agree with both of you. I think it was a great year. Winners, I'm going to let you do 10 movies. You're just going to have to list, you know, <laughs> five back to well, back to back to back. I, I was going to say, obviously, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. Gerald, again, has watched a lot more movies than I have. I follow him on Letterboxd. I know Nick has not seen as many as me, so I'm kind of in the middle. But was it easy for you guys to make these lists? Because I, I kind of had like a top tier of like, OK, I could find the top 20 pretty easily. And then going from that to 10 to five, I was just like. This is kind of impossible for me. So, see, I went through Letterboxd and I pulled out all of like my four star and aboves, and then I just ordered them by preference. Winners, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I I think there's some that were just so impactful when when I saw them the first time, and if I've seen them since, they are equally as impactful, and that's why they have to be on my list because. I can tell they're just going to resonate with me every time I watch them. You know, that could, and I mean like 20 years from now when I'm watching some of these movies. So, but yes, it was very hard to narrow down to ultimately 10 that I'm going to mention tonight. And uh, I think that speaks to the year. <laughs> I think that's kind of what we're saying. It was, it was just a really, you know, it was just a lot of good stuff that came out this year. And it was just a lot to pull from. So I'm excited to see where we go now. Uh, Nick and I are not going to do the one big question this week, but if we have time at the end of the episode, we will do a little shout out because I asked online what some people's favorite movies of the year were. So we'll look at some of that stuff on social media, Nick, and over in the Discord channel, and we'll shout some of those guys out. I also want to mention real quick, the Golden Peas are coming, guys. My annual movie awards, where I honor the year in film every year, they're fan voted on, so you guys will be voting. The ballot is live. Uh, as we're recording this, uh, the nominations have not happened, but as you're listening to it, they have. So it's kind of a weird, this is coming from the future kind of thing. Jeez. But make sure you look in the show notes and click on the link to cast your ballot for the Golden Peas. And the winners will be announced on February 19th, which will be what the fans said was the best of 2023. But in the meantime, let's tell everyone what we thought the best of 2023 were. Mr. Justin Winters, dude, it, it really does. I know we're kind of kidding and whatever, but it really means a lot to both of us that you're... Well, you're still in your bedroom and you're drinking murder lemonade and you're on the mic and it's very nostalgic, man. I'm 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 thrilled to have you here. And if you're okay with it, man, I'm gonna have you get us started. What was your number five favorite film of twenty twenty three, buddy? All right, I'm gonna preface this by saying that again, thanks to these two for inviting me. I, I love the two of these guys and I love miss you, talking movies, movies, movies with anyone. Like I, I kind of like talk to my talk to myself in my room now to <laughs> fill that time that I used to have. So I miss these guys and I miss wow. doing this. But my number five, uh, I would probably say my wild card because this is the most recent film that I finally caught up to. Mm. And 
I did not know that it was as divisive and I would say probably hated by many people as I found out that it was because I hadn't read any reviews since it came out earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. But this movie is Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid. Oh, wow. So imagine every single um, neuroses, uh, anxious thought, um, every bad thought that could come into your mind as you navigate this world and then put it in a three-hour horror comedy film from the guy that brought you Midsummer and uh what was his first one hereditary uh hereditary yes hereditary I was transported to another world watching this film I have never seen a film that I don't know like throughout the movie I was like I feel seen. I was like, this is exactly how I would respond in this poor, (laughs) poor man's um, existence played by Joaquin Phoenix throughout this film. So I know I've heard the the people hate it. It really annoys people. But I was just grinning ear to ear throughout this film. I Mm -hmm. only saw it once immediately. I know it's really long, but immediately I wanted to start it over and watch it again. Oh, wow. But like I said, it was kind of like an uh, anxiety roller coaster from start to finish. And I love films that take me to a place that I've never been before. And that was mm. just a, a movie and a, a concept uh, writ large by Ari Aster that I just couldn't let go once once I uh, stopped the film. So that's why it's my number five. Nick, have you seen Bo is Afraid? Nope. <laughs> <gasps> I didn't think so. <sighs> I was a huge fan of Midsummer, not as big of a fan of Hereditary as everybody else was. So when I was looking through like the list of films to catch up on things, it was like it was like another couple films down. Like I wasn't going to race out the door to see it because I, I I knew I was I was probably like, I'll either really love it or it'll be like not my cup of tea. So, well, for me, I'm not going to say it's my cup of tea, but it, it's a very like immersive i saw it in the theater actually i saw this in imax which was like you're really (laughs) uh feeling the stress and the anxiety in this film um i just admire ari aster so much that i was kind of into it as it was happening but i was always i was also kind of like please end like i can't (laughs) go through this with this guy anymore uh you know and i just kind of walked away from the theater just kind of like literally in the middle of the road where I was like, there was so much about that that was just kind of fascinating, but there's so much of it I just never want to see again. So I, I don't hate that movie. Like I know a lot of people hate it like vehemently. I don't hate it. I just, I, I'm just, it's the first movie of his where I'm just kind of like so-so on it. In my opinion, both his first two movies, two of the best horror films of you know sure. recent memory to go from those to this and obviously, yeah. you know, reading him talk about it, it seems like he put a lot of himself and his, you know, relationship with his mom and relationship with the world into it. And just knowing that meta-ness of the, you know, everything kind of having a tinge of how he views the world, I was just like riveted. I was like, this is crazy. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I love movies where like constantly you're exactly on the same wavelength as a person who is just like an anxious mess of being like, what the sure. fuck is going on? And that was, sure. you know, that movie throughout. So I, I would highly, highly love to see what Nick would think of that movie. Because I know. That would actually be interesting. You should throw that in the patron pool for the, we're doing a couple of picks this month. So you should throw that in there because I would actually be like this with him watching that. I, don't, yeah, I just want to know what he thinks. I'm scared now. 
By the way, uh, one of the best needle drops this year was in that movie. The Mariah Carey, uh, Always Mariah Be My Carey. Baby, where he's like, basically, I don't want to ruin it for Nick, but uh, yeah. Chrissy, was, uh, Chrissy's favorite favorite singer, performance artist, and he she wasn't watching it with me, and I, I like... I thought I was like, is this worth it to show her this whole film just yeah, for this? Yeah. Or will she yeah. hate me forever after making her watch it? So I, I just yeah, it, She definitely won't hear that song the same anymore. I know I won't. She doesn't hate you enough for all the punishment of years of Soy Beard and Movie Geek. <laughs> oh, man. Well, obviously, we're not doing the, the podcast anymore. So it, it's just, <laughs> she know, wins. She, you know, we're still together, just not in podcast form. So that's fine. She's still married yeah. to Movie Geek. She knows that. That's true. All right, yeah. uh, Nick. Nick, what do you got at number five, man? I'm anxious to see where you're going here. I, I, I almost, I wish. I was looking around my desk to see if I had a pair of sunglasses so I could slip them on over this uh, pair of glasses I'm wearing now, baby. I'm just Ken. Barbie is my number Ooh, five. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Love it. I mean, what's been? I mean, we 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 reviewed this movie on the show. Uh, I, what else can I say about it that we haven't already said about it? Just masterful performances from Margot Robbie, from Ryan, from Ryan Gosling, who is amazing. Up and down the list of 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 everything, Greta Gerwig's amazing, uh, incredible vision to to take a movie about a doll with plastic boobies. God. Jesus. Heard that joke. Heard that joke. Oh my god. <laughs> god. So bad. Yeah. To, I mean I mean literally to to take something I mean when when the movie opened up with that 2001 a space odyssey like homage like I knew we were in for something that was going to be like and then the Helen Mirren voiceover too like from yeah. that moment like from the jump you know you're in for something that's going to transcend it and it takes it, it takes a movie about a about a doll only literally about a doll in it and it makes it into i mean into literally event cinema that's over a billion box office right it cleared a billion oh yeah mm-hmm. yep. yeah i mean just i mean incredible i absolutely love this i'm gonna i'm expecting at least one of the two of you this is gonna pop up uh probably somewhere higher up on your list uh but I, I i just i absolutely absolutely adored it i was on such a high when i left the theater and i think that that's one of those things uh, that this movie was really really designed to do is to is to get you out of that movie theater like on such a high in terms of life but also with that kind of ju- just the, the 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 kind of message about it about appreciating like everyone's beauty and 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 things like that Mm -hmm. i I just loved it i i really really loved it i'm doing a terrible job of doing it justice right now but uh, it's just it's it's amazing my number five yeah like you said i mean we we reviewed it on the show and i think you liked it a little bit more than i did in trying to recollect that review i mean i do love this movie though and i think it's a a zeitgeisty film i think it's one of those movies that will define the year easily if not the decade uh you, you know when you we get to 2030 can't even think of that but when we get there and movies of the decade i mean barbie's going to be in the conversation it was just such a cultural thing and it was a phenomenon and margot robbie not only is as in that role as an actress but as a producer and being so close to that project and how much it meant to her and to collaborate with a with a filmmaker like greta gerwig who i absolutely love i mean every she's done nothing but home runs i mean she's absolutely stuns every single time absolutely and i think this one's going to be a big oscar player this year too which is like we're sitting here saying it and we're all probably like, yeah, of course it is. But like, just think about that. Like it's a movie about the Mattel Barbie doll. 
And it's 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 a movie that kind of spawned from that. And we're talking about it winning Academy Awards. It's just crazy. Uh, Justin, I assume you saw this. Are you a fan of Barbie? The difficulty level of undertaking a movie like this was just already above you know most other movies just the thought of it and when it was coming and and being put together you're like how can that work and so for it to work as well as it did it's a great film but even more than a great film it was a it was an event you know and Mm -hmm. i live in la los angeles and since the pandemic begun there's been you know um great repertory houses that have popped up here and there but a lot of movie theaters have closed even some of my favorite ones here in the city. So it's it's almost been like a, you know, the, the nothing of never ending story, just like wiping out my past love of film here in here in mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Los Angeles. So Barbie was a, an event picture that got everyone into the theater. I went to see it Everybody. on my daughter's birth, mm-hmm. my daughter's birthday with a row full of 11 year old girls oh, and God. parents. <laughs> it was a full house. I'd never seen anything like that or, you know, at least recently. And just to see that happen and just to see the pictures and the response that it got from everyone who saw it. And I mean, that's what movies are supposed to do. And, you know, for this movie to do that at the same time as another film with the whole Barbenheimer thing, I was just like, that's amazing. It was crazy. It was crazy. And I'm glad Barbie got a mention tonight, if nothing else. And Nick, uh, I praise you for that, man. It's it's one of those movies, like I said, it's just going to define the year. Now, yeah. I, I hate to bring down the mood, guys, but look, sickos, if you're still tuned in, let's go. Number five is fucking Saltburn, guys. God, no. <laughs> Gray fuckers, rise up. I mean, I, I, you know, I absolutely. I, did you hear our review of this, Justin? Have you, have you seen this, by the way? Not not only did I hear your review of this, but as I was watching this movie, swear yeah. on my kids' lives, I was like, you know who's going to love the fuck out of this movie? <laughs> Creepy Gerald. <laughs> You're goddamn right, brother. There was at least five moments where I was like, oh, my Gerald, this is just like ticking on Gerald's boxes. Oh, my God. Sucking up the bathwater and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's playing, right in, playing right in Gerald's ballpark, baby. And Nick, I said that when we reviewed it, I said, this movie was, feels like it was made for me, which is, you know, says not a horrible things about me, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> you know, on the flip side of it, from a filmmaking aspect, Emerald Fennell, we were just talking about Greta Gerwig, and she is another one that I'm going to ride with forever, dude. Like, I will be, I, I don't care what she makes a movie about. I'm going to be in the theater to see it. I'm probably going to buy it on physical media. Like, I absolutely love her first two films now. And. I love her visionary eye. The cinematography in this movie is to die for. The music and the needle drops. She just has a, a keen eye for that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, Barry Keoghan plays kind of creepy Gerald in this movie, right? <laughs> kind of a, kind of a version of wow. me a little bit. Yeah, wow. He's pulling it off. Uh, I thought Jacob Elordi was great. Uh, Roseman Pike is by far my favorite performance in this movie. Just so goddamn funny and charming and... Uh, I just loved her character in this movie. Look, I know it's weird, guys, but it is literally perfect for me. Like, I was, like, just grinning the whole time. I loved it. I'm so glad I got to see it in the theater, too. Uh, Just a great experience. And uh, it's my number five. I wanted to put it a little bit higher just to piss Nick off, but 
I figured I just, you know, five. it was, it was, it was waiting the movie. It, it, I really wish that Fennell had not included the, the little prologue thing. I hated like that part. The end of the movie where they tacked it on the beginning because then it, it automatically spells out that Kyogen's character is unhinged and obsessed. And then I'm just, I'm just waiting for that to play out. And then like when it, when something finally does happen with it, I'm, I'm just like waiting. It's just waiting, 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 waiting. Like I didn't feel any tension watching that movie. I mean, I love the performances. Performances are incredible and, and love it or hate it. I, I think one of the things that I respected the most about it, uh, and I felt this way about a couple of other films this year, even though I didn't rate them as highly, this was 100% the film that Fennell wanted to make. And like you could see that vision from start to finish, and I respect that. It just didn't resonate with me as much as I wanted it to because I loved Promising Young Woman. I absolutely loved that movie, so I I was really really disappointed when I saw it. Uh, Justin, I haven't seen your letterbox or heard your uh, opinion on this one. What do you think of uh, Saltburn? I also like Promising Young Woman, although I I kind of didn't understand the ending of that film and how it kind of jived with the message I thought the that Emerald Fennell was going with. And similarly in this one, there have been movies like this, similar in the you know Talented Miss Ripley, Cruel Intentions, things like this. Although I thought it was you know the cinematography is excellent. It, it looks like a million bucks, yeah. and you know the the actors, especially Barry Keegan, who is a straight up freak, and I I love him for that. <laughs> I still had the question of like, what is this? What is this movie trying to say? Like, is this yeah. you know, is this movie saying that the you know the the richer fuckers and you know what or, or what was it trying to say? And I I thought towards the end it just kind of got muddled again with me of what what she was trying to say. And I agree with the beginning kind of setting up like kind of taking the wind out of the movie sales like right straight away because the way that the plot twist towards the end is set up it's not really a plot twist it's like you like you're right. kind of like well it no spells it out yeah. for you. i assume something yeah. was going on but i guess this is it so um like i said it's a it, it was still enter- entertaining a solid like three-star movie for me but again I, I i don't think any other film in 2023 could be perfect for Gerald as this one. So I definitely guess this one for you, Gerald. That's a check. hundred percent. That is dead, 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 dead correct right there. That is. I had to put it on my list. You know, we mentioned the the different years kind of leading up to 2023 and promising young woman was my number one movie of that year. I think it was 2020 or it was either 19 or 20. And uh, Saltburn is in, in my top five this year. I mean, I love her as a filmmaker. I love a lot of the actors involved and, you know, just kind of the weird, uh, you know, grave fucking and everything got, got me going, man. So I do what I do. You know, I, I go to the movies for magic, you know. The weird, the weird, <laughs> weird, he says with the gleam in his eye. Like, ooh. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't follow me on a Saturday night when I leave late at night. You don't want to know where I'm going. God help us. All right. Saltburn, my number five, probably the only time that'll come up tonight. <laughs> Justin Winters, you had Bo is Afraid, which is also a bit of a surprise, buddy, but uh, I really admire that pick. What's your number four, man? I think this one might be a little controversial uh, with half of this podcast because I heard this discussion, and when it was being had about this film, oh I was like, I am solidly, solidly in one person's camp, and I'm here to defend oh it. And that is David Fincher's The Killer, boys. Fuck yeah, dude. Oh, fuck yeah, let's Fincher go. Is let's go back. Oh my Tag god. Tag me in, bro. I'm ready. So when, when when Chrissy and I used to have our podcast, we would describe this thing called movie boners, where like yeah. you just get a tingle, just a tingle through your body. It can't be your penis as well, but it could be your heart. 
Nick. Sure. You know? Gerald saw and... that with the grave humping in Saltburn. Yeah. <laughs> We've already talked about mine. Yeah. <laughs> I respected Mank, but I was missing my Fincher of old. I was missing sure. the game Fincher, you know, seven, a little, you know, even panic room. Like he, he wants to like play around with some fucking technology and just like, you know, do whatever he wants. This is that movie, the killer. And I was just overjoyed. I didn't see it in the movie theater and I hate myself for it, but mm. I felt seen with this one too. It's about like a guy who's a who's a perfectionist that just keeps fucking up. You know, he right. he's got the the mantra running through his head that he's going to do good, he's going to do right. Here's here's the things I'm, and he just keeps fucking up. And I liked it about it. You know, I think I think there's a lot of Fincher in here of him. Obviously, he's a perfectionist as well, and he tries to get everything right, but sometimes right. he slips up, and you know. Has has a has a mank has a mank kind of day, but um, this one I was just like, this is hilarious. Fastbender throughout, I was like, he's perfect. The the multi level tiers of all the people he kept meeting until he got to the top, I was just riveted throughout. I I've seen it three times already. Uh, again, Fincher is back. Yes, another one we reviewed on the show. Three Nick. times. And, and wow. Actually, um. We didn't talk about this when you and I reviewed it on the show because I feel like I had just seen it like the day before, a couple days before. But I've watched it since, and I love Justin. I don't, I don't know if you echo this, but I love like kind of it's kind of funny. Like this yeah. has really got some funny stuff in it. Like yeah, I feel like it's kind of hidden. Like it's kind of like underneath the surface. Mm-hmm. But just the simple premise of like this guy who spends that fifteen or twenty minute monologue in the beginning. Which I know Nick was into that opening act as well. The cold opens incredible, absolutely incredible. Yeah, it sucks you in right to this yeah. character and what he kind of what he's his mantra that he's living, and then he misses the shot, <laughs> and you're like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> it's like talking about yeah. how great he is, and then he misses the shot, and then the whole rest of the movie kind of snowballs from that, you know. Like I do, I do really love like the aspects of that film. Like he's constantly, it's like Winter said, he's constantly running his mantras through his head, like of, of all the things. And he's, he's absolutely doing the opposite thing on screen. Like the entire time, like always have a plan, like all, right. like all this stuff. And it's, it's clear he's flying off the seat of his pants because everything's gone so far off the rails. I really loved like the, the fight in the, in the Floridians house. Like that was so well shot. So, so well done. So good. I loved so much about that movie. I, I just, like it just didn't hold me the whole way through. I really, I, the thing that I loved the most was that cold open, like the promise of those perspective flips, like in the moment, like first to third, third to first, like back, forth, back, forth. I was like, if they do this, the whole movie, that would have been such a cool thing. But then it, it, it just left it after that. And I was, maybe that was my disappointment from, from just it dropping that gimmick after that point. I mean, it's, it's, it's 10 times better than Meg. And I gave it a five. Yeah. Because that's how bad Mank is, but you know, I, 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 I it just, it just wasn't my thing. Into, you know, he, the the guy with the nail gun and how he fucked that up. The whole dinner with Tilda <laughs> Swinton. That was just like every time he met someone, I was like, oh, there's this story here that we're learning about, and we're learning how he's trying to, you know, recognize or like, obviously he has a past with these people, and and this whole. This whole it's all revolves around him fucking up and then him trying to rectify it, him and just not be able to do it very well. I thought it was like a hilarious, hilarious film. I loved right. it. Great pick, man. Great pick. It's uh, it's in my top ten. 
Actually, is it? Hang on. <laughs> I'm lying to you. Wow. It's in my, it's, you're really you're pulling for it. It's high, you're, you're it's high on my the, list. The, but. The, the, the future here. <laughs> All right. Nick, what do you got, man? What's your number four? Well, we talked about the barb, but we can't talk about the barb without talking about the Heimer. So, yeah, my number four is Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. I mean, so I still haven't seen Tenet. I I, I never I never Don't. got a chance to. I really intended to at some point, but then I nah, just you're good. I just never did. But no, you're fine. I I went into this into this movie, you know, really really wondering three hour runtime, and it's a it's a biopic about J. Robert Oppenheimer. How are you going to hold anyone's attention for three hours? And I think the 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 constant perspective shifts, the black and white versus the color, you know, the subjective versus the objective point of view. You include all the Senate stuff from like 1954 with Louis Strauss, Robert Downey Jr.'s character. I mean, just an absolute I mean, I mean, Nolan's a filmmaker who's always been at or near the top of his craft for the most part like i mean i i absolutely i think winners i think i think i speak for you as well dunkirk is like a master class i mean obviously you know his batman movies like all that kind of stuff but like th- there's a level of craft and and a, and a level of of detail in this that that trumps even what he did in any of those movies that that necessarily came before it uh, in in a way that there's some kind of genius in here that I'm not smart enough to know how to describe of of how you can take a biopic about about a, a real life figure like this and hold an audience's attention for 3 hours and literally make it as interesting in the final minutes and you're you're hooked the whole time there's never a moment in that film where I'm like this is too long I'm bored this is dragging forever and I think especially talking about pacing for films especially long films i know i'm on a show with gerald who we know if it's over a hundred minutes he's in the bathroom crying somewhere it's just an a- absolute absolute masterclass. part like in- incredibly shot uh cinematography is 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 incredible the performances are absolutely lights out <sighs> guys it's so good it's coming up on my list too. And I think that what's really, and I'll just touch on right now, real quick to your point too, is what's fascinating with this movie is that it really does do that thing where if you're a history buff and you maybe live through this era or you're, a, you study the era and you're really familiar with it, you're going to be enamored with it. Like, right, right. You're going to be just fascinated with kind of reliving all this stuff. And then also you can learn it. Like, I saw it with our buddy Dan Nick, and we really didn't know a lot about Oppenheimer outside of the Manhattan Project. And it makes uh, nuclear s- physics not boring yeah. for like right. a, a, like a normal general audience member, right? Like why? Yeah. Right, and it's it's it, it just is really it's like it can be educational but super entertaining at the same time. And I mean, all the technical stuff when you're talking Nolan. I mean, I honestly don't know how anybody could ever talk. I mean, this guy is like insane. I mean. <laughs> bringing these giant IMAX reels to like film all this shit. I mean, I know you guys have maybe seen some of that stuff on YouTube or whatever. Like the guy is like dedicated on another level. I think he's the best director this year at the Oscars. I'm pretty sure he's going to win that. I mean, this is um, probably his best movie, but you know, I, I put it up there with like the dark Knight. It's probably always going to be my favorite one of his personally, like my personal enjoyment, but this is a close runner up. I mean, I, I think he just did, 
from a from a filmmaking perspective, he did things here that like people in Hollywood or jaws are on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> that do it for a living. You know what I mean? They're just probably in all of it. So uh, I agree with the pick wholeheartedly. Winters, you want to uh, hold commentary or you got anything to say about Oppenheimer? Yeah, this is one of the ones that I just watched this week. So mm, there, okay. were, there were several that I missed in the theater. And unfortunately, this was one of them. And hot take, it's really great. The big thing about watching this one for me was, again, how how fast, like fast it fucking moves. Yeah. Like it's propulsive, man. Like it just keeps moving. It's got one of the best movie scores I've ever heard of all time. Like yeah, it was, the, the movie score was so good that I would just, I would just like pop out of the movie and just start listening to the score and be like, wow, like yeah. Yeah, this yep. is amazing. So between that and the fact that like Nolan moves that camera like a motherfucker, it doesn't really s- sit still at all ever. And so to have the motion uh, uh, of the camera and the propulsive, like the music just throbbing and then the cross cutting between all these time periods. I was just like, only a, like a crazy person would, would, you know, make this film. Like it's right, like, right. It's, 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 it's insane what he did here. And right. on top of that, having this be one of the, the best, there's that guy movies of all time. Like, I'm glad Chrissy didn't watch this movie because we would literally have to have stopped it 50 times. Google she like, everybody. There's yeah. that guy. Let me look on IMDb. And that was this yep. movie throughout. I think it was literally one. It like, was, somebody, yeah. was, somebody was like polishing one of the bombs and it was like, oh, that's, you know, that's. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, some dude that won Betty. an Oscar in he's the just, 80s. He's just yeah. for a day to just to polish that. It was amazing yeah but even like the even like the big names like rami malik was in there casey affleck i mean yeah these dudes were just popping up left and right because it's nolan you know what i mean but to have someone like the, the couple of people like uh just josh hartnett come in and you're just like yeah is this the was best really josh hartnett has ever done like i didn't even know it was him until after the movie was over and like people told me that i'm like wait what? really good yeah, yeah. crumholtz so crumholtz in this i was like holy shit crumholtz it just Nolan just yeah. he just raises everyone up to like their best performance ever, and so you have just like twenty best performances ever amongst all the other amazing technical things that are going on. So this yeah. definitely you know deserves to win an Oscar for it to be that good of a movie, and then also make like almost a billion dollars at the box office. Like yeah. this is yeah. exactly the thing they're looking for, and it you know they deserve it. And to be coupled with Barbie is just crazy because <laughs> it's like two completely different demographics but they came together because i think it's these are two movies that that were kind of united for like film lovers not necessarily what genre of film or what just going to the movies just popcorn in hand like these were the two mascots this year and it's it's just really endearing that those two movies go go together like that when they're so so different you know and i love it i think it's like i said in my intro it's a phenomenon that i don't think we'll ever see again in our lifetimes all right, so my number four hasn't been mentioned yet. It is uh, Sean Durkin's The Iron Claw, probably the most recent watch for me. Uh, Nick and I reviewed it a couple weeks ago. I, you know, I'll just briefly just say that I've seen it a couple times now, and the emotion of this movie is what really got me. You know, having two sons and kind of, you know, being a parent myself and wanting my kids to succeed in whatever it is that they want to do. and. Uh, the family component of this movie. And then on top of that, having grown up a fan of wrestling, pro wrestling, and living through a lot of these characters that kind of show up in the movie or talked about in the movie in the 80s and stuff, 
uh, spoke to my nostalgia too and my kind of like childlike wonderment of that stuff when I was that age. But I just love the way Durkin, you know, kind of on the surface, this is a pro wrestling biopic, but beneath the surface, it's a very emotional uh, connection to this family and to these brothers, really. I mean, it's the story of brotherhood and them kind of living through this thing together. And unfortunately, you know, most of them couldn't handle it and befell tragedy and uh, you know, in a lot of cases ended up ending their own lives because they just couldn't deal with the stress and the anxiety. And, you know, so it speaks to a larger truth, too, when it comes to like mental health and stuff like that. So especially and I talked about this in our review, Nick, but especially on the second watch, it was uh, like I was in tears, like half of yeah. this movie. Yeah. Uh, it didn't hit me quite as hard on the first watch. And I don't know if it's because I wasn't really expecting it or what, but. Just a very emotional journey that this film takes you on, and um, I, I loved it. I mean, it's it's obviously one of my favorite movies of the year. Winters, what did you uh, think of The Iron Claw, man? I, th- I thought it was good. I don't know if I liked it as much as you did. Obviously, as a kid, I was a huge, you know, this is primetime WWF, Hogan, Andre the Giant, you know, all that stuff. I was big. I didn't know much about this story. I think it was more because I was up in North Carolina and this was regionally in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching it, I was just like struck by how sad, like it's just, it's such yeah, a it's sad crazy. movie it, and it doesn't get better. It just gets sadder and sadder and sadder until the end when it's really sad. And then you come out of it. If you haven't don't know the story and you find out actually it's sadder than that. So, <laughs> you know, right. it, it was hard for me to glob onto that. And then just as a, a I hate I hate to be a stickler, but every time the wrestling came up, I was just like, oh, "Is this like you know? Is is the wrestling good in this?" And for it to be, uh, there's not many wrestling movies, so I was really excited for there to be a wrestling film like this. And every time there was any kind of wrestling, I was just kind of like, "They're trying their best, I guess." The guy that they had play Ric Flair, I was just like, "Absolutely not!" <laughs> I was <just> like, <laughs> I was just like, gave up right there. Yeah, this was that was the worst thing. I hated that part of the movie for sure. <laughs> Oh you my know, god! So I, throughout the movie, I was I actually, you know, I, I I gave it three stars. So it's just not like I didn't like it. I wish it would have been longer because I was just like this. Fa- it, obviously, it was more of a family story than it was a wrestling movie. And I I feel like that the the family, you know, outside of all the tragedies, I wish there was more about them because you know, especially mm-hmm. the, the dad. I'm sure the dad has his, his own issues, and you know similar things going on with his father but i was just like this almost would have been a great mini series or something to flesh out these characters more because as it goes on as it goes on it's just like and now they're dead you know and it was just like it just becomes so sad at the end you're just like ah you know i I wish there was a little bit more to chew on rather than just death yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I I agreed pretty much. I, I I didn't rate it as highly as Gerald. I mean, and 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 Chris von Eric, how like the family couldn't write one of their own that you know unfortunately committed suicide out of their real life. Like, don't write them out of the movie. Like, I don't like generally. Like I said during that review, I don't try to prescribe real life things onto the film. Like, let the film be the film thing. But like, this is the kind of story where like 
if there was another brother that also killed himself, like he deserved to be part of this too. I don't know why that decision was made. I don't agree with Durkin at all where it's like, Oh, it was too much for the audience. It's, it's already really tragic and sad. Like, you know, like hit us with one more haymaker. What's it going to matter at this point? You know, like get us down for the one, two, three, but yeah. Right. And you know, those, those irregularities with the real life story, um, I reflected on when you, because I didn't know until you told me, Nick, about uh, the the white uh, Doris, I think her name was, leaving Fritz. Right. Yeah. The yeah. Mom, the, I didn't even know about that until he told me in our review. So yeah. there were some irregularities there in the story. But if I'm just grading the movie, I mean, the way that movie made me feel, and more so on on rewatches, is kind of impactful. So. It's one of the most it's one of the movies this year that I felt the most. Dirty. If nothing else, it does the same thing that any good inspired by a true story or based on a true story type of movie should do, which is inspire you to go out and learn more about the real sure. life family, the real thing that actually happened uh, in, sure. in real life, which which it did for me, like it immediately took me to that as well. So and by the way, I'll just mm-hmm. end on this real quick. Zach Efron. Amazing. An it's absolute so tour de force. All right, so Justin, you're up next, man. What do you got at your number three? Again, my top five represent what I love in film. They all move me in a special way. And my number three is my favorite action film of 2023. And I'm, you know, willing to put it up there on, you know, maybe a bigger Mount Rushmore, maybe not just four, but if there was a bigger Mount Rushmore of action films of all time, I think it should be up mm. there. That is wow. John Wick Chapter Four. Ooh, oh, wow. What yeah. the fuck, guys? Okay. So. Wow. I love Keanu. I think I, I think we, Chrissy and I had a whole episode where we just did our top 10 Keanu movies. I am the biggest Keanu supporter. You go look at his IMDb. That guy, I mean, you can talk about his acting all day long, but dude knows how to pick a project because he is in so many classics. Holy fuck. So I love the John Wick series. And after two and three, I'd got to the point where I'm like, how, like, what can they do? Like, I think they've, they're, they're kind of done, you know? I went to see John Wick Chapter 4 in the theater by myself, and I swear to God, the whole time, I was like, oh my fucking God. I was like, this <laughs> is amazing. I was like, I would, like, they took the the promise of, like, you know, when when, when the Raid movies came out, and they were amazing and awesome, but you're like, what would happen if they if they had taken those movies and added like I don't know fifty to a hundred you know million dollars in budget and really fucking epic this stuff out? That is John Wick Chapter Four. Swear to God, I was just like mesmerized throughout. I was like, holy fuck, how did they do this sequence? I was just over like I I I've never seen something like that in a movie theater. Definitely best action movie since. Uh, you know, um, Mad Max, uh, Fury Road. Like, I was just like, this is what action films should be. And I was just like flabbergasted when I walked out of the film. So, and, and for it to be that long, but me also love it that much, knew it was just right in the sweet spot of, you know, just pure cinema. Like, the, yeah. they knew what they were doing and they really cranked it up to 11 on that mill that film so i loved it man that's why it's my number three 
the action, I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, it's some of the best choreographed action set pieces literally of all time. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like you couldn't name another, I couldn't name another movie right now that would rival it. But my thing with this movie, I saw it in IMAX as well. I, I liked it. I mean, I gave it like four stars. Like I thought it was a really good movie. But it, you know, people like yourself are just like, oh, greatest action shit I've ever seen. Like all this. My thing with this is like, at some point, Justin, did you not go, this guy should be dead. Like, there's no way he's, like, going up these stairs at 60 years old with a limp, like, killing all. I mean, I just, the, the believability kind of escaped my mind after a while. And Brian Lawyer, our, our friend Loy Sauce, said that nobody goes to the John Wick movies for believability. So with that in mind, I'm yeah, okay Yeah, you're with worried it. about him running up the stairs when, like, a scene before that, they're at the Arc de Triomphe and he's using his suit jacket to deflect bullets. Like, come yeah, on, Joe. you know. Like, I mean, he falls out. off the Relax. fucking building. Like, it was like Wiley Coyote, the live action. You know what I mean? At one point. Relentless. Uh, like, and and <laughs> the thing ahead. that I love about it, it's, it's so long but the action is so relentlessly entertaining, like literally the whole time. And, and what I really, really feel like they, they really wanted to translate directly through is the absolute exhaustion on John Wick's body, his spirit, his soul, everything dragging him all the way through this whole thing to finally get to this showdown. I mean, the overhead sequence with the dragon's breath shotgun rounds, like, I mean, mm -hmm. dude, like, to insane like so so insane every time like you're watching the movie and you don't think that an action scene can can get better like the next one's not gonna be as good as this one and then it is somehow right unbelievable it's so good and then, it's amazing and then with and then within the set pieces like the set pieces are amazing in, in themselves but they have like levels like you'll think oh it's it's going here but then it ends up a little bit more it ends up <clears> anymore and so Throughout a whole movie of of this, you're just like, yes, like this is just to have a movie where obviously the director used to be a stunt man, he knows stunts, and they're like, here, here's all this money, and you know you can fly to all these amazing set pieces. You're just like, yes, you know this is what this is for. So, I I, I was I, again, I was so surprised that I was like, well, this is obviously the best one, like. I kind of put one and four kind of together because yeah. one yeah. was an amazing, simple story and it kind of kicked yeah. off the whole mythos. One sets the bar. The, yep. I have a but, soft spot but then for two, one as well. Two and yeah. three, I'm like, did we get too much into the story and all this stuff? And then four is just like, fuck it. Like, we're going to like, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we're going to six blades on that Mach 5. Like, fuck it. So uh, great. Yeah. Just amazing film. John Wick Chapter 4 is your number three. Nick, you had Barbenheimer to kick off your list. What's your number three, buddy? Well, I'm going to keep things rolling right down the uh, right down the action highway here. And I'm just going to I'm just going to give the, the YouTube audience and the audio audience a little bit of flavor to be able to dial this in. OK, I mean, Godzilla right. minus one not only does it deliver in terms of your big monster kaiju movie it it also makes godzilla a character who's been through everything in the past what 60 70 years of his existence or whatever uh like this shot here like uh audio audience tune into the youtube stuff watch this videos and stuff uh like like this the shot of godzilla just like swimming after like following after a boat is is like it's it's so incredibly well shot but then strip the godzilla away from it it's this beautiful post-war story 
about found family, about a man who like feels like he's lost his honor and who feels like he has to do like whatever he has to do to regain his honor. It's it's just it's so, 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 so incredibly good. If you haven't seen this movie yet and you're you're just like, but it's a Godzilla movie. I promise you get into a theater and see it in the biggest format you can before it leaves theaters, because it's going to change the way you even view big monster movies. Like it's, it is, it transcends anything you've ever thought when you think of big Kaiju Godzilla monster movies. And then like, and just like the atomic breath is like, pants poopingly awesome like i'm legitimately mm-hmm. like i i stood slack jawed at the screen for a minute when like the whole effect of it went off i'm just like yeah it was incredible like unbelievable i love this movie winners i gotta know what you thought about this movie man yeah where are you at winners i'm so pissed off this is the one i haven't seen and i knew that you guys oh, loved man. it and i was trying to oh, oh man it, it's i'm trying to get out of the theater oh man like I've heard such good things about you? it. Uh, I think it. it is. I think it is. Yeah. I just gotta st- steal steal away from my. Fa- I just break away from my family to go see it. But I, I've you gotta n- check it out. Usually, man. I'm not a big Godzilla fan. I think it's because I'm like a six foot six monster, and maybe I'm self conscious about people being mean. <laughs> he steps on buildings like just in real life, so it's like. Eh. Uh. It's like, this is just a biopic about my life. What The things I've heard about this one, like, you know, the comparisons, like Jaws in some way. I'm just like, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely, I got to check it out real soon. So it's, it's, I mean, I, I, G, G, you can attest. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's coming up on my list too. I mean, if that tells you anything. So I'll hold a little bit of commentary, but I wholeheartedly agree with you, Nick. My number three, you've also mentioned, Nick, it's like we do a show together or something. But Gross. my number three is uh, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Uh, I mean, we already kind of touched on it. You know, I mean, it's just it's just such a marvel to look at. I mean, and and to watch and to learn about this character and these events in history, I found fascinating that you know Nolan will do this thing where it's like you're kind of learning about this dude, and and then you're you're watching all these kind of like cool images of like bombs blowing up or these like energy kind of illuminations on screen and then like oh there's gary oldman <laughs> he's harry truman like what the fuck uh, it's just two and a half hours into the movie <laughs> yes it's like okay i'm watching a chris nolan movie uh but it was just you know we already talked about it but along with barbie it was just an event in addition to being a great movie and i just don't know that there's a better a more well-made movie this year like from a craft perspective i mean justin talked about the score earlier i think that's going to win the academy award honestly i think the movie is too killian murphy's performance we didn't really touch on when you talked about it earlier nick but i mean this guy is like i mean just awe-inspiring to watch on camera and i think his performance is the absolute standout but i absolutely love florence Pugh in this and Emily Blunt and uh, Robert you. Downey Jr. is probably going to win the supporting for this. <laughs> what what specifically, uh, <laughs> what, which part of uh, Florence Pugh's performance did you like the most, Joe? Mm. <laughs> I'm thinking of my, I'm, I'm thinking of Barry Keoghan right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Oppenheimer for me, man. It's got to be in my top five of the year. It sits on my number three. Love it. So uh, we'll, uh, we can skirt past that and go on to our runner-ups here. Justin? What do you got at number two, buddy? What's your runner-up? I'm a huge horror film fan. 
Yeah, you are. Oh, no. I, I looked back at my letterbox, and I think I'd seen a um, total of 68 2023 films. And I think a total of 120-some regular films, because I've been trying to catch up on horror films I haven't seen before. Last year, I started a Lost rewatch with my kids, Nick, so that took up a lot of my time. Yo, I'm almost at the end of season five right now. <laughs> Oh, we're on. We just did the constant season four. I'm, I'm just in heaven. Nick, you know how I feel. Anyway, but I, I still love uh, horror films. Scary films are my thing. And my favorite horror film of last year, yeah, totally came out of the blue, blew me away. I watched mm. it at night, and it skeeved me out. I felt a little bit of uh, fear. I was like, this kind of fucked me up a little bit. Finally, and Five Nights at Freddy's it, mentioned. I'm so excited. Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no, this this film is called <laughs> When Evil Lurks. Yes, yes, very, very good movie. I I saw this on Shutter. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I hadn't heard of this maybe before, like the month before it was coming out. Everybody's like, "This movie's great. You got to watch it." And it's one of those horror films that it's it comes from an Argentinian director who I hadn't seen his previous film, but after I watched this, I went back and watched that one as well. It's called Terrifier. But yeah. it's just one of those horror films that you're like, as you watch it, you're like, this is an instant classic. Like this is gonna mm-hmm. be an instant classic. It the the pervasion of evil throughout, the feeling of something is a like seriously fucked up and that something is going to happen to one maybe all the characters in the story so much so that around every corner you're like what's going to happen like at, at its base it's basically about this small Argentinian town that all of a sudden the news comes that someone might have been possessed by a demon and how that might affect the whole small little town that they have you're like oh, okay well this sounds kind of like a small story like how is it going to go but it just like slowly burns and just has so many what the fuck is going on moments that again at the end of it i was like well that's you know pretty much a masterpiece and one of the best horror films of all time and i just can't wait to see what this director is coming with next because again it it works it it worked on me and i watch a lot of horror films and i just think you know if you haven't seen it and you love scary films check it out it's called when evil lurks when evil lurks this is not in my top five but it's my highest rated horror movie of 2023 think that and much like you it came out of nowhere i watched it on shutter because i saw like people whispering about it online and this and that and i was like all right fuck it you know and i I was like oh my god (laughs) like this is really fucking good but to add to what you already said justin what I love about this movie is that it's it's a very unique twist on the demonic possession genre subgenre like it's something that we've really never quite seen before where it's like a mesh of you know your exorcist and the nun kind of films but also with like elements of it follows cuz like this is an evil that continues to follow and kind of haunt them throughout the story and they can't seem to escape it so I kind of felt that as I was watching it too but I just love how it's very authentic like it feels very real it it never feels like supernatural to me in the movie, what is happening is not, it's not like, oh my gosh, what is this? It's like, 
this is happening. We know what's right. going on. Right. These are the rules to try to prevent things. Like it's art. You're already in the mix of like something is going on and pretty much everyone knows something is going on, but it's like, it can't be stopped. And just throughout the movie, you're just like, how are they going to get around this? How are they going to surpass this? And it has so many moments where it does not pull punches in terms of a horror film. Like right. there's things that happen that some people are like, Oh, that goes too far. And yeah, then me, I know. People, like, people like me and Gerald are like the guy, like, <laughs> like on the glass, like, what yes. do you got? What do you yeah. got? Yeah. So. I mean, you know, it, it, it puts children in danger. It, it does all these like kind of taboo things, but it's like, it's one of those movies where it's like, you can't believe what you're watching, but you feel like, did you see, um, a sidebar. Did you see Speak No Evil when it came out last year on Shutter? Of course. Yeah, it was one of it my kind of reminded me of that a little bit too cuz that fucked with me yeah. too when it comes to like children and horror and stuff like some things are too real. What's amazing about this film is I think there's a couple films, one that another one that's actually in my top 10 of like you're in a space and you know that there's evil near you. You don't know mm-hmm. how to to deflect it. You know it's there. And yeah. I feel like, you know, especially with everything that's going on in the world today, we're next to like evil is in every crevice. And sometimes it doesn't look the way you think it does. And in this movie, sometimes you're like, what do you think, a, a, you know, a possessed body looks like in this movie? They show you and they even show you like if right. we have to move that possessed body, like all these things that you haven't seen before in a movie like this, they do. And you're like, right. yes, this works. So. I love that this got a shout out because, like I said, it was my favorite horror movie of the year. Uh, Nick, uh, your thoughts on When Evil Lurks. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I was like, uh, immediately, Nick does not have this. It is not fun. Nick's like, it's a movie and it exists. All right. Uh, that's your runner up, buddy. Great pick. I'm so glad that that got a little shout out. I, did, I honestly didn't. I knew you were a huge horror fan, but I didn't expect that to come up tonight i thought there might be an option where a couple horrors might come up but i'm really excited that was the one that you threw out there nick uh, i don't really i'm interested to see justin's kind of grade sheet at the end here because i gotta be honest with you i don't know if i know where you're going here but what's your runner up for 2023 nicholas so so winners just talked about a film that's obviously right up his alley right up his ballpark and my number two g is a movie that's right up my ballpark which is alexander payne's the holdovers uh paul giamatti easily one of if not his uh best performance of his career especially when he took the golden globe to in and out i still every time i see that picture <laughs> i laugh so uh, divine joy randolph is amazing dominic sessa is incredible it's alexander Payne getting back to what he did so so perfectly throughout his entire career of these small characters in these small stories that are just really really flawed and so so perfectly crafted and and well realized uh th- this film is is brilliant i i absolutely absolutely adored this movie I, I know it's going to be a it's going to be a weird race for for the best actor Oscar this year with Murphy and with Giamatti in there, but like as much as and it does not take away from Murphy or from from Oppenheimer at all, but my God, do I want to see Giamatti win for this? Uh, I absolutely absolutely adore this movie, and 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 like I said, I mean the the, the beautiful thing about it is is it's just it's just these small characters and just. It's not like this big world ending stakes or any kind of like 
colossal blockbuster thing. It's just quiet, quaint little stories. Everybody, every single person that you know, every single person that you've ever met uh, has, you know, some some great story or, you know, whatever within them. And and that's the way I view Peen's movies. Like, it's just small, quiet little things. And God, he does it well. And he really, really returned to form after downsizing, which no one liked at all. Probably not even Matt Damon. Well, he got paid for it. He probably likes that part of it. But yeah, I mean, that's that that that's it for me with that. The holdovers. I adored this. I mean, gee, you know, I adored this movie because because yeah. uh, I cause did. Uh, you know, you were higher on it than I was, but I did really like the movie, and I've watched it again. Actually, I introduced it to my son Nick. Uh, I showed it to Logan, my ten year old, the other night, and I was like looking at the IMD parents guy because it's rated R, and I was like, why? But I guess there's like language in it. And there's a couple. I, I don't know. So uh, the penis mentioned, I guess. Worse I than he has no to hear idea. from you. <laughs> I was going to say he's heard far worse yeah, from this. Say. But yeah, he loved it. And I think you, you mentioned this in a review too about the like kind of Goodwill Hunting stuff that's kind of built into it. The story and you know Dead Poets Society. There's different kind of footsteps that lead up the path to this film. But seeing it a second time i mean giamatti's performance is out of this world i mean the guy is like oh good man so grounded and like real and you connect so easily to him and it's so easy to root for him but you still kind of like take it easy dude like chill out you know so he's very relatable in that way and his post uh, performance this award season so far is off the charts. I mean, the guy is like giving great speeches. He's going to In and Out Burger with his freaking globe on the table. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. Winners, have you seen the holdovers? I did. I loved it. I, I yeah. I think it's I think it's an amazing film. I love the feel of it. Like obviously from the start, he he's like I'm gonna go with this 1970s like you know almost <laughs> like a Hal Ashby vibe. And so much so that with this, you know, it's a three-hander of a movie with, and they all pull their weight. It's almost like a, just like a warm hug at Christmas time. This should be a Christmas classic forever. Yeah, like, really it, should. Yeah. It's a great, great film. I mean, movie. I, I, you know, Giamatti is, you know, he's he's amazing. Divine Randolph, she's been amazing, and she should get more roles. But for them to like pluck Sessa out of like. 800 dudes at the same school and him be as good as he is it's just like come on come yeah on. dude first acting it's, gig it's great. And he just he just won the best young actors award at the critics choice tonight as we're recording i mean the guy is talk about a bright future i mean yeah <laughs> you know just, yeah, just, so just, like just the feeling of it the music it just puts you in a place where you're like i, I feel safe this is a warm hug i love these characters it could go longer i thought it was great yeah, great picnic. I guess I did see that coming. I just didn't. I don't know. I just didn't think about it. Yeah, my number two. You also already mentioned Nick, but it's Godzilla minus one. Justin, I'm sorry. I know you haven't seen it, but uh, everything Nick said and more. I mean, it, there you go. <laughs> it's like let's put all this kind of like World War II trauma that the Japanese people must have been feeling at that time. Let's make that like a historical drama film, right? But then, in the background, kind of lurking in the shadows, is this Godzilla movie, right? And it's like these two movies kind of come together. And that was what was fascinating about this film, is that it's called Godzilla Minus One. Godzilla's on the posters. Everybody's going to it to see Godzilla. But it's really 
at the core, not really a Godzilla movie. It's just kind of a story of humanity and this found family and how they are trying to survive in a post-war Japan. I know we mentioned this during the review too, G, but like one of the great things I think you'd agree is in a normal monster movie, you're just waiting for the monster scenes. Like, yeah, let's get to right. the human stuff. Let's get through it as quick as possible. I want to see the monster stomp and smash and stuff. I want to see winners wrecking downtown, you know? And <laughs> in this movie, the human stuff is as compelling, if not more compelling yeah. uh, than the big monster stuff. That's how good it is. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. And these, you know, these characters have depth to them. The human characters, I mean, they have, yeah. they have depth to them. There's a little girl involved in this movie, the daughter that, you really are worried about the outcome of that family and her well-being. And, you know, the director in the film just did such a good job at, like Nick said, making you kind of worry and care throughout the movie, regardless if there's an action sequence going on. And on top of that, these action sequences, I just got to tell you, I mean, a lot of people are going to say it rivals the original as far as Godzilla movies go and 30-something films and whatever, and that's great, but there's never, in my opinion, there's never been a better representation from like an action spectacle perspective of Godzilla than what we get in this movie. Especially for its budget. Like, oh, for yeah. the, for the, the budget, budget like, yeah. for them to have pulled off the action scenes that they did. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's, I mean, it's got winners. It, I need it, you to see this so, so bad. And I need, I need to hear your take on it so, so hard now. It's on the short list for visual effects. And I mean, I see it because it's just tremendous to look at. I mean, I, I thought it was, I haven't seen it yet, but I thought it was really exciting that it was number one at the box office recently with like Bo- Boy and the Heron number two. I'm like, yeah, cinema mm-hmm. is back. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 That's good shit for sure. All right. So that's my runner up Godzilla minus one. And we are up to our number ones, boys. So let's see what our favorite movie of 2023 was. We already said it was a stacked year. So. I'm guessing that you, you you guys might have the same number one, and I oh, know boy. I don't crossover. I don't have the same. I don't have the same number one as you guys. But oh, okay, all right. I, I do have a movie that I remember at least Gerald kind of taking some jabs at. Ooh, and I was like, oh, listen, to how dare you, about Gerald? It. But again, my my top five is very personal, and then my number one movie is the movie that I saw in the theater that. I might have cried at least two or three times because I was just overcome with emotion of what was on the screen. It was a follow-up to one of my other favorite movies of all time. It has a special uh, meaning in my house uh, amongst my family between me and my son. And that movie is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. No, you're Ooh. good. Wow, you had me scared for a second because I know how much you love some of the indie films and all of that. Is he going Indiana Jones here? I can't. I, I gotta uh, edit it around this. I can't put no. this out. No, okay, that's fine. Spider Verse is fine. I'm a Spider Man head. Uh, my favorite comic book uh, character as a kid. Love most of the films, even the ones that suck. Even Spider Man Three, even the Amazing <laughs> Spider Man Two. That's okay. But this, these films, obviously, this is in the middle of a trilogy, have just blown me in a way, blown away me in a way that I, I can almost not express. Like I never thought that I would go into the second film, and I was very, very scared about going into it and being like, "Is this going to be the exact same thing over again?" And to to walk, walk in that film and sit down and see 
these master craftsmen. And there's multiple people putting this film together, allegedly under duress. But to put that and make what I think is a, you know, a masterpiece, a middle of a trilogy that might want to be one of the best of all time. I was just like overcome with emotion several times. I was just like, I can't believe this. This is amazing. This movie gets gets it all. It's got the the action. It's got the emotion. It's got the characters that I care about. So obviously, the first movie, one of my favorites of all time, for this movie to take what they're doing and even go beyond that, push themselves to do new things, to try new things. Um, I was I was in love. I, I I love this film. I love where it's going. I've heard from Gerald, it's not a complete film. <laughs> well, tell you about some uh, of favorite films that end on cliffhangers. I don't know. I know. Like Feature two. We got the two towers. Like there are stories that you know take a little bit more time. Empire Strikes Back ends on a cliffhanger. Right? Did you give it like a, a three and a half star? What did you? No. Give that now one? hang on what a second. Gerald? Now. <laughs> I did a whole I did a whole video about this because I when it came out because I was like is it okay to like this and not like be over the moon about it because I felt like people were like and oh you don't like it enough but I'm just I'm just thing, ripping Gerald I I understand I know my thing with Across the Spider Verse is I, I think also it speaks to your emotional connection to it too like with your kids and it's your favorite superhero and and so on so that's obviously a deeper connection that you have to it I love Spider Man and I honestly. You mentioned Spider-Man 3 and, you know, uh, the Andrew Garfield version as well. I love all those. I, I don't dislike any of those movies. Like, there's never been a Spider-Man movie where I've been like, this is shit. And, but the thing with Across the Spider-Verse for me was that Into the Spider-Verse, the first one, I was saying a lot of the things you're saying about this one, about that one. Like, I took my son to see it. I think he was like eight at the time, seven or eight. And they had a Spider-Man at the theater, like a dude in costume or whatever and he was taking pictures with the kids and like that was my son's first time seeing spider-man on screen on the big screen and you may have heard me say this on the podcast but afterwards you know that miles has a whole thing at the end about you know being spider-man and and being the chosen one and all that and my son who was seven is like i could be spider-man dad like that's he's talking about me you know and i kind of felt kind of what you're saying where it was like emotional because of how he was connecting to it and kind of like experiencing it for the first time, which I'm so far removed from it that I wish I could do all over again. But with this one, I just didn't feel that personally. Now, from a movie perspective, it's a fucking great film. I mean, it's an amazing movie. Like, of course, I think it's uh, top tier in terms of movies, not just animated, but period across the board this year. But I just wish I had had that same like emotional connection to it that I had with the first one. Um, and I just didn't. And I don't, I don't really know why I think maybe it is because it's the middle of a, of a story and I'm kind of waiting to see what happens and like whatever, but that's on me. That's not on, you know, Lord Miller or, or the film or anything like that. I thought, I thought it was a great film and I see your points and I think it's easily one of the best films of the year. Uh, Nick, did you see? Uh, have you seen the Spider Verse films? I can't. Oh, I, I, I I love Across the Spider Verse. It's it's an incredible, incredible film. See, my problem this year with the top five is I had so many four and a half star movies 
trying to fit all of them into a top five is impossible. Like you just can't do it. So like it just, it clearly it's going to come up when we round out. Uh, but I mean, I, I, this, this movie was absolutely phenomenal. I, I absolutely loved it. I was like winners. I was, I was going into the theater, like so blown away by into the spider verse. I was like, there's no way they could possibly, they can't, there's no way they could possibly live up to how good that film was. And then they somehow did it. They somehow did it. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's just like from beginning to end, I mean, I love the characterization of, of Miles Morales in that film. I love like, you, you know, you, you, you get all the, like the different spider men from all the different spider, spider verses and everything like that. And I mean, like to, to even cherry pick out like little plot points, like how about like, like spider Gwen and, and her dad, like, like that whole story and everything. All the parent stuff, like yeah, the, right. The other one came out. What was it, like four or five years ago? So like, I'm farther along in my parenting journey since yeah. then. And a, a couple scenes in this movie, I was like, they didn't have to go that hard. Like they didn't have to go that hard with the emotion, but they do. They fill out these parents and make them more rounded characters than just like the you know the parents saying, oh, don't do this or don't do that. They are actually real human beings in yeah. it. It seems. So. Yeah, great pick, man. Great pick. Across the Spider-Verse, Justin Winters, man, you did it, man. I can't believe you were so worried about narrowing it down to five, yet I'm I'm reading my notes on the screen here, and you have Bo is Afraid. <laughs> you were so worried about narrowing I it I love down. that movie, guys. <laughs> I, I love it, it. You did it. You did it. I'm proud of you. Nick, what do you got at number one, man? What was the best movie of 2023 as far as you're concerned? I mean... I- I when I when I when I saw this movie uh I was speechless pretty much after after I walked out of the theater uh when I saw it it I still think about it today and I know we talked about this when we reviewed this film Gerald about mm. how like great film and I and I mean truly truly great film stays with you and and it doesn't it doesn't really leave you after after you've left the theater and even now what six seven eight months later however many months it's been it's celine songs past lives yeah. uh on that's it b that's it that's my number one too that's it I the knew, two b's right there i knew it was gonna be uh, that's like, the movie of the year it. right i there. knew it i knew it the three performances john magaro uh tay you and greta lee yeah uh, just i mean like it, it, it's it's that kind of modern love story sort of thing and they they marketed it as like this weird love triangle and and all that sort of stuff but it's really just this beautiful beautiful thing about 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 a couple that never was you know in a way and about how they just miss each mm-hmm. time and about how this go round isn't necessarily their thing, but then it takes that Korean concept of in Yun, I believe it is like yeah, that, you know, where you brush past somebody or like you touch somebody once and it's like, you're fated to have been together in some past life or something like that. And and the way that the film just kind of weaves all that beautiful stuff together. And then like, le- like legitimately like stone cold, like sobbing, like emotional, like for me, like, like finale 
where they have that goodbye like you know these two characters they're never going to see each other again they may not ever even speak to each other again and then there's that that beautiful thing of like what if this is a past life and then like i'll see you in the next one and then like she goes home Mm -hmm. and finally finally can unleash all the emotion of this thing i mean it's still it's it's getting me emotionally to talk about it now and like i still think about this movie like today like every time like just it just comes into my mind it just creeps back into my head because it's so affecting so i cannot wait to see what celine song does next mm-hmm. uh, I, I this is just such an absolute master stroke I, I just gee talk more about it because this is your number yeah, one well, this, too, baby this is my number one also and i kind of went back and forth on this with like oppenheimer and godzilla and it kind of went back and forth and what am, what is my number one going to be because it's like one a one b one c but this is the movie of the year for me because of how I saw it early, early on in the year, like you mentioned, and I haven't stopped thinking about it. Not, I mean, nine months later, this movie, whether it's Greta Lee's performance or the subtlety of how the movie is really about fate, right? And how anybody, especially of a, especially of a certain age, you know, like 20, 30 years old or older, how we can kind of like think about different things that happen to us in our life and the choices that we make, right? And free will. And if we choose one thing, it's not necessarily that we regret what we did because, you know, we have what we have and we're happy with what we have. But what if we had chosen this? Or, and it just really brings up all those kind of like questions and emotions. And I think that was happening to Nora in the film. I think that was happening to Greta Lee and, and she kind of realized that as she was uh, reconnecting with this childhood friend of hers. And, you know, John McGarrow is phenomenal in the film because, you, you know, he's the husband figure and he's the modern day, like he's the current story, right? And, but we never think of him as a bad guy. Like he was very supportive. And in that last scene you were talking about, Nick, I rewatched this recently. And it's amazing to me how, uh, you know, Ty Yu's waiting on the Uber at the end. By the way, this is one of the best, like, last five minutes of a movie that you'll ever see because it is so subtle and it is so, like, come here and be in this moment with us. It's so you know, powerful. Like, watch, its power is unbelievable. Watch, watch this from across the street, you know, and, and don't, like, there's no music. There's no, like, just watch what's happening here. And the way Celine Song does that, especially the more times you watch it i've seen it i think this is my fourth viewing i just saw it a couple weeks ago i I, i'm just in awe of it and then when when she leaves and she's like you said nick she gets to her husband right who she's chosen to be on that path with in this life and she realizes he's gone you know i'm not going to see him anymore and he comforts her she breaks down and uh you break down or at least i do Uh, I mean, it's just like one of those movies that really is existential, right? It really makes you kind of think about where you are in your life. And, oh, what if I had called this chick, you know, 10 years ago instead of calling the person that ended up being my wife or like whatever. I mean, whatever scenario you want to put in there. So uh, it's a very layered, nuanced film. And um, I mean, there's a lot of great, great performances in this film, but I can't talk enough about how Greta Lee's kind of quiet, uh, subtle, subdued, uh, kind of like uh, everyday performance in this movie is really tremendous. And I'm glad that she's getting some recognition this award season. It was one of the best performances of the year. It struck with me, one of, one of the most that struck with me personally. 
Uh, Justin, I'm curious, have you seen this? What do you think of Past Lives, man? I thought it was a beautiful film. I, I agree with you guys. I was surprised at where the story went, because if you remember, the opening sets up uh, the scene of the three of them at that bar, and you yeah. have mm-hmm. someone talking about them and guessing what is going on right. amongst that conversation, amongst that relationship. And what she says, obviously, leads you to believe that she might be right, and there's something, you know, uh, something, you, you see movies like this all the time. Of it sets that happens. expectation. It, like right it sets the, the expectation oh, yeah. that something's awry, that, you know, there's going to be... And then once you get there and how it plays out, I, I I love Greta Lee. I love the two of them, but the John McGarrow role is the is the sticking point that makes this a whole different kind of film. Yeah. And the way that that is played amongst the three of them in that moment within the conversations between them, I was just like, you never see this. This is an adult, a very adult, high minded way of looking at relationships and looking at your past and how it affects you now. And I thought that's that that's beautiful like i i wish i was i wish if this happened to me or if something was happening like this that i could uh, respond in the way that you know the husband does that the, the two of them do because you see that there could have been something else and instead of being like let's try to you know get that again they take that in and kind of you know let it flow through them like it the movie goes along like a breeze. Like there's some amazing shots of just them walking around New York where I'm just like, yeah, this is beautiful. This is, this is amazing. Yeah. This is an amazing film. So I, I thought it was great. And, and song in the movie too, they do a really cool job of like, or she does a really cool job as a filmmaker of capturing kind of like what the characters are thinking in the moment. Cause you know, Ty, you will be with her in New York and, They'll be walking along or riding on the ferry or whatever, and you'll kind of see in Greta Lee's expressions and in her like eyes that, oh, I remember what it was like to be with this person, you know, twenty years ago or whatever, and it's just like recaptures kind of that magic. And but we're in reality, right? Like she's in reality, and she's and I, you know, I had a friend. I talked about this on our on our review, Nick, but I had a friend that didn't like the ending of this movie. Because they thought that Ty Yu and Greta Lee should have ended up together. And I said, well, that's not real. Like, that's not reality. Like, this guy wouldn't come here, you know, from Korea and then like, oh, I'm going to leave my husband and, and, and be with you. Do you know what I mean? So when they have that, there's like that perfect exchange in, in the bar, too. And, I, and it's been a little bit since I've seen it, too. But like, they have that exchange in the bar where, you know, like, she's a person who leaves and like she's been so far outside of Korean culture, like their, their discussion that they have back and forth, like she wouldn't make a good traditional Korean housewife at this point in her life. And that's what he would ultimately want. And like, things like that. Like if, if you have this film where suddenly they run off together to be together because they're destined to be together, this movie would be, it would, it wouldn't even be be close to this list. Wouldn't even touch this list, but it's that beautiful, beautiful sentiment. Like you mentioned G like you mentioned, like, like when they're on the, when they're on like the subway or whatever, and like it, it, even those nonverbal scenes where their hands are just on the railing, just like an inch apart, you know, and they're just, they're just staring at each other. And you could see in the performances, that's why the performances are so good. You could see, the way that they're looking at each other, how they're looking at each other. Like, obviously, Sung would love, like, you know, to kind of have some kind of semblance of that back. But, like, she's very clearly in this different place in her life. And I think she looks at it as, like, she's really glad to have reconnected with this lost 
childhood friend and everything. And, and I just, and I, I love it. I think it's beautiful. I think winners hit the nail on the head with the Arthur role. I think that that's like the absolute crux of this yeah. entire thing because his reaction to it and, and the way he's so supportive of it, because like, on one hand, he's got to have a little bit of fear and, and, and concern sure. about like, this is like your long lost childhood sweetheart. It's also you know. very important too, though, because it gives you different perspectives. You know, yeah. it gives you different like levels to connect on because I think the beautiful was... thing about the film, G, to, to swing back to your friend that didn't like the ending of the film. But in another life, that is the ending of the film. In another life, that is the way it ends. Because like that's the whole beautiful thing of it. If you if you really look at it, if you really look at that right. concept of Inyun in its in its entirety, in the totality of it that is that's really the 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 whole crux of it it's like somewhere in some other life it did work but not in this one you know what is in yun is that the two p's in our first year together nick named our number one movie of the year the same and it wasn't some garbage horror movie come on (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know five nights at freddy's is my hidden number one i'm actually gonna oh yeah all right, well, in a uh, classic piece fashion, let's round out our uh, top tens, guys. Justin, six through ten, man. Just list them and whatever you want to say about them real quick. Number six, Poor Things. Got one of the best performances of 2023. Emma Stone. I mean, I'm a y- Yorgos fiend. I love yeah. some Yorgos Lanthimos from the beginning of Dogtooth, which was a, a surprise film that Christy and I watched and we talked about many years ago uh the favorite i love but i think this was i i love films that transport you to another place and this is a, definitely one of yeah, those i was one. cackling from front to back on poor things uh number seven another movie i watched in the last week anatomy of a fall um i love yeah. love love me some uh courtroom dramas and this one puts me in a french courtroom for the first time i've ever seen on film and i was riveted amazing amazing performances throughout number eight the zone of interest uh we live in a world where uh next door neighbor might be an evil person this is a movie about the guy and his family that live next to auschwitz and watching it is like a horror film it's got some of the best sound design in any film of 2023 it's got amazing performances that make you think like is this a documentary this is too real and it's well, it shot like a uh, big brother too he's got a exactly. lot of like uh in the house cameras there that were uh, jonathan glazer by the way who um uh under the skin director it's watching a, a, a nightmare throughout and you know it's almost you know stanley kubrick in another life could have done the film it's 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 amazing it's an amazing film mm-hmm. um Number nine, you know, fuck the oil and gas industries. Guys, how to blow up a pipeline. If you haven't checked it out. Great movie, dude. It's like a taut 1970s thriller. You remember when, you know, movies used to really punch up and like really good. Take it to the man. This movie is about that. And the fact that we are currently cooking up our, you know, our world right now, Generation Z and under, we we need to figure out a solution. And in this movie, they take it up to the next notch and they decide to blow up a pipeline. That's what the yeah, name really of the movie is about. Movie. I think it's great. Um, and then the last one, uh, I got the Wild Card, a movie that another one that came out of the blue for me, and I 
caught it on Hulu. It's called No One Will Save You. Literally, it's a uh, Caitlin Deaver starring movie. Uh, it has aliens in it, and it features virtually no talking or right. dialogue of any kind. So just just off of that, you're like, let me see. Well, this. what's cool and- about what's cool about a selling point for that movie is that it's an alien invasion film and it's a home invasion film because the aliens exactly. are in her home for the for a large part of the movie. I really like that one too. That was a thrill, good film. thrill ride of a movie. You think it shouldn't work, but it does. So no one will save you if you haven't checked it out. Uh, highly suggest doing so. That's it, Nick. Six, six through ten, buddy. What do you got? All right. Well, it's funny, Justin. You said that you swapped in uh you had john wick chapter four instead of barbie well my number six would have been john wick chapter four uh absolutely agree i love that movie so so good uh number seven mission impossible dead reckoning part one i don't care cruz has still got it i don't care how many times i saw that trailer him jumping off that cliff it was still riveting when i saw it on the big screen spider-man across the spider-verse my number eight i i just it's so good it's so so good i absolutely loved it uh number nine a little ben platt movie called theater camp i adored this movie so quirky great pick i died laughing io edabiri is an absolute sensation i loved her at bottoms as well uh she's absolutely incredible uh i also threw winners i also threw anatomy of a fall in here i watched this today uh, mm. I was legitimately like the whole it has it has a way of just drawing its hooks into you and you, you can't turn away from the screen because you're just like like you just you, you you can't be you can't I'm still thinking about it like even now like I I, I really I, I really really enjoyed it and and just to sneak him in here because I could do what I want uh the D&D movie Honor Among Thieves loved that maestro it's a good one. Uh, we just talked about that wait uh, what how many are you put in here dude? Asteroid City Wes Anderson I just watched ten. it before you're we watched off, on the dude. show uh, uh, you're cut, cut off, him off. Cut and him my off. last one I don't even care you can't Shut list up. every movie you can, saw this year I'm not listing every one <laughs> And and the last one, uh, the first one I've ever seen in the franchise, uh, Fast X. <laughs> John Cena, oh, John Cena gives someone the attitude adjustment. Oh, you're more. definitely cut off. You're so definitely good. cut off. So good. All right. Uh, my number six has not been mentioned. It's a movie called All of Us Strangers, uh, directed by Andrew High. This is a film starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott, and... It's a movie about loneliness, but Andrew Scott is living alone in this high-rise condominium, uh, kind of secluded from the world. I don't know if it's during COVID or we're supposed to get that impression. I'm not sure, but he's kind of like out of touch with what's going on outside of his condominium. And it's a building under construction. And Paul Mescal is another tenant who bought a condo there. And they end up kind of garnering their relationship. And it takes a journey through uh andrew scott's character's past and kind of why he's lonely and why he's depressed and frankly suicidal and uh it takes a lot of kind of twists and turns along the way but it's it's a very emotional journey and it's um these two performances are just so inspiring and heartfelt and uh, i just couldn't help but connect to them so uh, it was easy to put it in my top 10 all right, so I had Sanctuary in my top five, right? Or I'm sorry, Sanctuary's in my honorable mention. I had Saltburn in my top five. Here we go, Sanctuary. Another sicko film. Did anybody see Sanctuary with Margaret I saw Qualley? Sanctuary, yeah. 
Yeah, you like you like you like to be uh, yelled at and stuff, huh, Gerald? You like let's fucking get weird, bro. Let's get weird, dude. Uh, (laughs) Margaret Qualley can dominate anything she wants to, but basically, she's a dominatrix who is hired to do certain dominatrix jobs. And Christopher Abbott plays this kind of um, higher level hotel heir. And you know, kind of think like the Hilton hotels or whatever. He's kind of like the son of the owner, basically. And Margaret Qualley, he hires her to come in and play a role, basically. And she kind of uses that to her advantage to blackmail him in a way and make a better life for herself. But there's a lot of there's actually bathtub stuff in this one too, Nick. So. <laughs> There's more there's more bathroom stuff happening. I'm uh, really selling it. <laughs> it's sanctuary. It's my number seven. My number eight is Blackberry, a biopic about the creation of the first smartphone, actually. Uh Glenn Howerton, I wish, I hope, I pray would get nominated for a supporting actor for his performance in this film. Uh, from Always Sunny, of course. But it's a it's it's a biopic about the creation of the Blackberry phone, which ultimately spawned where we are today and having everything at the at our fingertips and in our hands and it was just a really cool mesh of kind of like the social network mixed with uh, I don't know it was, it was it was a very weird weirdly blended film that the performances and the story really connected with me my number 9 would be a movie called American Fiction starring Jeffrey Wright this is a satirical comedy about a guy that is has been a writer his whole life. He's written books and he's kind of at a, has a writer's block. So he says, "Okay, I'm going to write an urban story that's super cliche, that kind of you know uh, tells the story of the African American, that kind of stereotypical story." And it ends up blowing up. And he was just kidding. He didn't want to gain anything from it. He was doing it as a joke, and it ends up being his big, biggest success. And he has to kind of come to terms with that and figure out how to navigate, like, do I want to have success from that versus my uh, allegiance to my craft of of writing? So it's a very layered story. It's very funny. Uh, Sterling K. Brown turns in a freaking awesome performance in this movie as his brother. Uh, He recently got a SAG nomination for that role. And then my number 10, we haven't had... Aside from Across the Spider-Verse, which was almost a given, we haven't really had a lot of animated movies. So it's Nimona, which is a film that you can currently stream on Netflix. Have you seen Nimona with your kids, Justin? Did you watch that one? I haven't, but I, I've been told that my daughter oh. will love it, so it's on our to-do yeah, list. Yeah, you, ch- you gotta check it out, dude. It's got those really cool medieval gladiator kind of vibes, but with modern-day technology built into it. Um, it's almost like a world like that doesn't really exist that couldn't exist. It it, it meshes a lot of different genres co- together. But yeah, Nimona was my favorite animated film this year, along with Suzume. They're kind of tied. Uh, but I love both of those movies. Chloe Grace Moretz is the lead the lead voice acting on this role. So there you go. That would round out my top ten. All right. Well, that's it, guys. Uh, Justin, I don't. Do you want to plug anything, or uh, I, I guess not, right? I, you know, I don't want to plug anything. I want to plug you guys. You know, individually, softly, maybe late at night after some. <laughs> Wait, what? Wine? And, no, uh, no, man. I, we don't have a In podcast anymore. 
yeah, I love I, I love listening to you guys talk. When you guys form together, I was like, thank God. Love listening to these guys talk. I think appreciate um, it. You guys are doing great, and uh, yeah, I I'm extremely thankful for you guys asking me to join because again, yeah, dude. don't get to talk about movies enough. Don't get to see your guys beautiful faces enough so this has been a pleasure it's been awesome god well, i appreciate it man voice. yeah i'm so glad you're here man and it, it, like i it's said not earlier, the same without chrissy yelling us. at you for something like <laughs> like for some terrible movie you made her watch or some some movie you subjected her to like i i miss i miss that a lot uh so yeah. it's it's been it's been amazing to hear your voice again my friend you're welcome back anytime in fact in place of gerald most times Oh wow! Okay, yeah. She she uh, loved your fudge callback. She's like, you know, I'll cook up some fudge and we'll, we'll send it to Gerald and Nick in the mail. I'm sure it'll. It no, be. It's, no, it's nothing. Nothing no. but some cocoa and you know Splenda blend or whatever. So. Oh god. No. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Wow. As we wrap up here, guys, don't forget, look in the show notes, or if you're watching on YouTube, look below in the description. Vote for the Golden Peas this year. The ballot is open. We will continue to honor 2023 in cinema, and the ceremony is going to be live, hosted by my boy, Brian Loisos. And a lot of special guests as we will give out the awards for the best in various categories for 2023. That's going to be on February 19th. And Nick, next week you and I are going to be talking about Mean Girls. Did you know oh that the musical? Oh my god, I can't wait! I'm so pumped. Uh, I'm so pumped. Rebecca wants to see it too. So uh, she introduced. I had not seen Mean Girls until I started dating Rebecca. So uh, I only watched the the OG, like the movie, like a year ago, maybe for the first time. So, uh, but I loved it, and I'm super super pumped to see. Obviously, it turned into a stage uh, stage musical, and now back into a movie from that. So I mean, I just yeah I'm, I'm stoked i absolutely can't wait to talk about it and i mean you know like let, let, let's kick off 2024 uh in reviews with a bang let's get a musical in there uh to let's spite paul prezula as hard as we possibly can well i love renee rap and uh i love the original mean girl so i've got a i've got a good starting point for this one so i'm hoping that it does something for me i'm looking forward to checking it out and talking about it with you but that was our 2023 episode guys our top five and then some movies of the year once again justin winters you are the absolute man dude send my love, love you, to chrissy man. and uh i'll come see you in california especially if my daughter moves out there i'll have to come find you and you can stomp around the city and clear the buildings yeah. for me let's do it thank you guys <laughs> love you guys all right thank brother. You, man. all right guys we'll see you next week we'll talk about mean girls the musical justin winters thanks again buddy and uh 2023 is in the rear view i guess take good care until, of yourselves ladies and gentlemen until the golden peas at least have a good 2024 everyone we'll talk to you next week peace